Well, good morning. I, I hope that um, because, you know, Pastor Garen isn't here, that people didn't think that we had the week off. <laughs> kind of feels like it right now. Hey, if you are online, you still have time to get here. Come on. We've got room for you. Now, we are so happy that you are here. And if you're joining us online, um, welcome. You may see things just a little bit differently than normal, just um, because, well, Garen's not here, but I think that we've got it. Hey, Garen. Y'all say hey. Hey, Hey, Garen. He's watching online. So, all right, well, let's pray and then um, stand to your feet and we will worship our Jesus. Lord Jesus, we welcome you into this place. We are grateful for your mercy and your love and how you are always with us. And so during this time, I pray that you will do something in our hearts and minds, that you will challenge us and shape us and make us more like you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my dream to ravage you. I was breathing at night. All my failures I tried to hide It was my dream to avenge you
Ready your heart, Lord. Yeah, so such a hard reminder, Lord, that I've been hit with this week of just how much we need you. Lord, life without you is not life. So, Lord, this morning, I just, Lord, we ask you to just be with us here this morning. Father, there are needs 
in this church that go beyond these walls. Lord, there are needs in our own hearts. There are needs in our lives. But Father, you are truly the one that we need. And so Father, I pray that you would just come in and overwhelm this place this morning. That you would anoint this service. Father, that you would anoint the time that we spend here and that you would bless it. Lord, I, I pray that you begin to speak to our hearts on what it is that you'd have us do. Lord, I, I pray that you would stir our hearts. Father, that you would spark a revival, Lord, that, that, that Father, that we'd be able to press in and just learn more about you and who you are. Lord, for those, of, for those who are unable to make it, Lord, for those who might not, you know, um, even see this, Lord, we pray for them. Father, we pray for the world. We pray for this country. Lord, we need you here. And we welcome you here. Father, you are such an awesome God. And there's no amount of energy, time, efforts that we could truly praise and lift you up that would be enough. Lord, you're worthy of it all. So Lord, be with us here this morning. Show yourself to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Guys, uh, you know, I, I tell you what, I don't know where my life would be without Jesus. And I need him. And, uh, and the truth is, I need you guys as well, too. And we need each other. And so we're going to come to the time in the service where we get to pass the peace with, with one another. And if you're in here in person, obviously you know how that looks. It looks a little bit different this time of the year with COVID. Hopefully, uh, you know, this, I can't wait till the day I get to squeeze everybody's neck, right? And, uh, and so um, if you're online, go ahead and tag somebody. Uh, but this is a time where we just practice at the church where we're reminded of not only are we supposed to be at peace with God, uh, but also to be at peace with one another. Uh, and I'm reminded as uh, I see my boy Dusty walking in the door. Those of you guys who don't know, Dusty was in a, uh, a, a, a motorcycle accident recently. And he's all strapped up, you know. And so it's so glad to see you here, buddy. And, uh, and, and may I be the first to tell you guys and you too as well. Yes. What, what a testimony. I mean, do you know, I mean, I, I, was, I was about to get a bike one day and I was just like, those things are dangerous. And just to see you here this morning is, is a testimony. And, uh, you know, my wife called me up. We were supposed to go out to eat. It happened on Friday. And they were going to come over our house to eat. And, uh, and, and my wife called me up and said, hey, they're not going to make it today. And I was like, oh, they flaked on us. You know, she was like, no, uh, Dusty was in an accident, an accident. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And so I'm glad to see you here, buddy. And, uh, and I hope you're, you're taking care of God, speaking to your heart. And, and, uh, and, and, and we're going to be helping you out. We're going to be taking care of you. I wrote him, I wrote him and uh, Kim, and it's true. I said, I know it may feel like if you guys don't have family here, but I said, well, we're your family. And so I hope you guys feel that way. And uh, may I be the first to tell you guys this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Pass that peace to one another.
And now we're going to transition into a time of offering. So, as I was just saying, if you're online, you can give that way. If you're here in person, you can make your way out back. Let's pray and ask God to bless our tithes and offerings. Father, we thank you for your provisions for us. We thank you that uh, when there have been times of need, you have been our provision. And so we trust you and give a portion back to you of what you've given to us. We pray that you'll take these monies that are received today, that you'll multiply them and bless them for your work around the kingdom here in Port Orange and around the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, before we go to scripture this morning, I wanted to make you aware, and I, I didn't give Tim this information, our Good Neighbor Fund this month is actually going to help those two right there. So Kimmy and Dusty um, will incur quite a few bills from this um, accident, and so we want to be here for you, and so be generous in your giving um, so we can support this wonderful young couple Y'all, he was in the hospital yesterday. He's, he's sitting on the back row. You're not here. If you're online, you don't get to see this. He's sitting on the back row with his huge back brace. And, um, man, I, I don't want to come to church when I have a headache. Well, let's go to the, the word this morning. Will you pray with us our prayer for understanding? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. We're going to start in the book of Psalms. Um, one One of my favorite passages, actually, Psalm 51. And this is a passage of scripture where uh, David has made a pretty significant mistake, a few actually, and he is begging God for forgiveness. Um, And so read with me in chapter 51, verses 7 through 17. Hear these words, this prayer. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would give you one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Our next passage, is that on? It is. is? Oh, okay. (laughs) Our next passage is in 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. 
Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is, is brought to full expression in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Join me in prayer one more time. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will take these next few moments and you will speak to our hearts and minds in ways that we can't explain. That whatever words are written on these pages, Lord, I pray that they won't be a hindrance to the work of your spirit. I pray that whatever is said, you will use to make us more like you. That's why we're here. We love you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently, and he was telling me a story about when he was a pastor. One Sunday morning, he stood up and gave a sermon, only it wasn't a sermon that he wrote. Um, he actually uh, stood up and said, hey, y'all, this morning, I'm pretty sure he didn't say y'all because he's not from the South. But he stood up and he said, this morning, what I want to do is I want to read to you a narrative of the words of Jesus. And so he proceeded to read the entire Sermon on the Mount to the congregation in a different version maybe than they had heard before, but he read the entire Sermon on the Mount. And after the service was over, a couple came up to him and said, we won't be returning. Um, We would rather that you preach from the Bible. If you start preaching from the Bible, then maybe we'll come back. And he showed them what he read from the Bible. And this couple didn't return. Now, I don't know, maybe they didn't like the version that he used. Uh, I don't know, the, the translation, maybe they didn't think that he should have read from that. Or maybe they had never read the Sermon on the Mount, and it made them feel uncomfortable. That wouldn't be completely surprising. I mean, we like to think of Jesus as our best bud and our life coach. And, and, you know, that's okay because I believe those things to be true. But when Jesus walked this earth, he was controversial. He turned things upside down and taught about God in ways that made the spiritual and political leaders of the time really uneasy. So uneasy, in fact, that they had him murdered. And so tonight, or today, it feels like night, I invite you, I invite you to kind of lean in to the discomfort of the Sermon on the Mount. I I invite you to hear these words of Jesus that are deeply challenging and possibly life-altering if you will let them. And so here are these words of Jesus from Matthew 5. If you're able to stand, I invite you to do that. Matthew 5, and I'll be reading the Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. 
Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You can have a seat. So uh, a short rewind here. On Easter, we learned that the blessing is the partnership with God. So when we read here in the Beatitudes, blessed are, what we're saying is God is with these people. The meek, the poor in spirit, the pure in heart, and so on. And this was revolutionary. Because no one back then would believe that to be true. I mean, clearly, if people were in this state, God had abandoned them. God wasn't with them. This is, this is not what we thought we would hear. Because Jesus had different things to say than what they had always known. He brought a different way of thinking, and it's a clear indication that the kingdom that he's talking about is not the way of the power structure of that day. And so, just like we've done for the past couple of weeks, there are a couple of questions that we want to keep in mind as we go through these scripture passages. And one is, who is Jesus talking to? And the second question is, what's going on? Like, what's the setting? What's going on when he is bringing this message? And what is he doing? Now, we've established over the past couple of weeks that Jesus is speaking to the everyday people, the poor in almost all respects. These were the people who were flocking to hear what Jesus had to say. They had nothing, so maybe this Jesus, maybe he had something to show them that would help them beat the system. Maybe he would take over and they wouldn't be outcasts anymore. Maybe he had some tricks up his sleeve, winning lottery numbers, or at least a way for them to not be in the state they were in. Because the setting of this passage in that day was a culture that was cutthroat, dog-eat-dog kind of world. A person had to look out for themselves alone. It mattered where you were from. It mattered if you had a disease or a disability. It mattered if you had generational wealth or if you could prove that you were worthwhile to society. So if you could figure out a way to finagle things and get a leg up, well, you try it. You know, every man for themselves. In the middle of this kind of cultural structure, Jesus is announcing the kingdom of heaven. And he's announcing it to a bunch of unimportant people. Just as an aside, isn't that Jesus? Even his birth was announced to the shepherds. 
the unimportant people. These were people who might have been looking for some sort of fix, for a secret way to become a success story. But Jesus had different ideas of what success was. And it's not what they or anyone else expected. So today, um, get your notes out. We're going to be focusing on three of the Beatitudes, and I'm going to hit at a fourth, okay? So the three that we are going to be really diving into today are these. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. These are the three that we will be diving into today. Now, theologian Tim Mackey suggests that the best way to approach these three is to actually work backwards, to start with, to start with those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So that's what we're going to do. And, and so much of what I'll share, I, I gleaned from what he had to say, and it really was mind-blowing in a lot of ways because I've read these many times. And I'm thankful for those who can enlighten us and see things maybe in ways that we've not seen before. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Think about it. Think about the last time you were really hungry. Now, for many of us, that might be a hard thing to think about because if you're like me, you stay on top of that as much as possible because nobody wants mama to be hangry. And so I I try to eat, clearly. But here in Florida, I think we probably understand thirst. So think about what did it feel like the last time you were really thirsty and there was no water anywhere to be found you felt dehydrated what was it like how did it feel hunger and thirst are not desirable feelings right it's not something that we like sign up for hey yeah i want to be hungry uncomfortable and our bodies feel bad and we get cranky we don't want this experience this hunger and thirst is a core longing a deep need that is actually basic for survival and then we hear this righteousness word i mean that's a great bible word right i mean We hear that a lot in the Bible, describing certain people, describing God. What it basically means is right relationship. Righteousness means right relationship. It means that things are right between God and people, and between people and people, and people groups and people groups. That is righteousness. And it's what we pray for every week when we pass the peace. That's it. Righteousness is when things, and namely relationships, are as they should be. And being righteous is being a person who does right by those they are in relationship with. You've heard that phrase, right? They they did right by me. They did the right thing. They kept the relationship intact. They didn't do anything to break that relationship down. They did right. Okay? So that's what we're talking about when we talk about righteousness and being righteousness. Righteous. So when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, what he means is those who pay attention to the state of things around them and see that all is not right in this world, or in the state of relationships in this world, or even the state of their own relationships, 
things are not right, and it affects them deeply. They're hungering. They're thirsty. It's affecting them. Blessed are or God is with those who are hungry and thirsty for things to be made right. For they will be filled. And so we kind of have our head wrapped around this first blessing for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and that helps us kind of take a step into the next blessing. And we're going to look at the, the blessing for those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are grieved by what they see around them. The broken relationships, the pain in this life. Blessed are those who see and feel deeply the loss of what could or should have been both in the world and in their own world. I know. (laughs) We feel like we've spent a lot of time talking about grieving, or we've spent a lot of time actually grieving this year. And it's not fun. It's not something that we really want to talk about, honestly, right? but we have to. We're all so tired of hearing the bad news. We're so over grieving losses. Oh my goodness, just make it stop. Let's just be done with it, right? Whether those losses are people that we love or simply the way that we thought things would be. We want to bounce back from the trauma of it all and just keep moving forward. So you know what we do? We numb ourselves. We numb ourselves with endless loops of our favorite news channel. Because focusing on all the bad stuff out there makes me forget the bad stuff in here. We numb ourselves with alcohol or drugs or food. You know, just... One more, little Debbie. Just one more. Should make me feel better, right? (laughs) We numb ourselves with our schedules or with working more and more, and we keep ourselves busy, and nobody has time to mourn. The world keeps spinning, so we've got to keep going. Nobody has time for grief and mourning. We've got to keep going. And I could list countless ways that we numb ourselves. Countless. But here's the truth. When we numb ourselves from pain, we numb ourselves from comfort. If you can't feel the pain, you cannot feel the comfort because you are numb. And this is not one that I like. Because I like to ignore pain. (laughs) I like to pretend that it's not there. I'm like a super escaper. Like I I would just be like, okay, I'm going to go do something else and not think about this right now. And yet Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn, who don't numb themselves from the pain who lean into the hurt and into the sadness and into the heartbreak, for they will be comforted. Not long after Garen and I got married, we, um, we were living in Kansas City. And in Kansas City, there's a place called Worlds of Fun. If you are from that area at all, maybe you've been there. Worlds of Fun. Was worlds of fun? Not so much for me that day. Somehow uh, on that day, um, Garen and a friend of ours, Darcy, talked me into doing one of those. Um, 
I don't know what you call it. It wasn't a bungee jump thing, but it was one of these things that, that they strapped you in and pulled you up for millions and millions and millions of feet in the air. And, you, and then you had to, like, pull this thing, and it would let you go. <laughs> I'm having, like, palpitations just thinking about it. And so I had to be the one. I was the one that was the most scared. I had to be the one to pull that thing, whatever that thing was. And I was so afraid that the force of gravity would keep me from locking arms like I was supposed to. So they were very clear. You need to keep your arms locked. I don't know how to do that when I have to pull the thing. But I pulled the thing. And when I did, I swung my arm with such force because I had to fight gravity, right? (laughs) Maybe not so much. To swing my arm around, and I grabbed my other arm. And I injured my rotator cuff. Yeah. I thought that I broke my arm. I didn't break my arm. So I went to the physical therapist that next week, and um, he had to diagnose my injury. And to do that, he had to maneuver my arm. And at one point, all I remember is that he pulled my arm back behind me, and he twisted it behind my back, and I passed out. It hurt. His poking and prodding hurt. But I had to feel the pain to tell him where the pain was. I couldn't get better until I paid attention to the pain. I could have taken pain medication and a lot of it to numb it. I could try to ignore it and let it, like, go away. Some of you have been there, you know. But had I done that, I wouldn't have gone through the process. I wouldn't have gone through the process of paying attention to the pain and taking the right steps to heal. I think that this happens all the time, every day, to all of us in some way. And I believe too many of us aren't letting the healer poke and prod to find the source of our pain. Had I not gone through the process of feeling the pain and allowing the doctor to do all of the painful things to help me heal, had I not done the painful physical therapy exercises, I wouldn't be able to use my arm in the way that it was made to be used. So how's your heart? How is your mind? Where is your grief? And where is your pain? You can choose to not feel it. You really can. But what you are choosing in that process is less and less compassion for others. Do you know that? When you numb your ability to feel your own pain, you numb your ability to care for others. And I know, I know that's not fun. Having a vulnerable, feeling heart makes you more susceptible to pain and injury. But it's the most courageous, honest way to live. And what's beautiful is as you are vulnerable, you become a safe place for others to be vulnerable. It's just a better way. It's not an easier way, but it's a better way. I'm reading a book um, by an author named Tish Harrison Warren, and it's called Prayer in the Night. And this is what she writes. Unless we make space for grief, we cannot know the depth of the love of God. 
the healing God wrings from pain. The way grieving yields wisdom, comfort, and even joy. If we do not make time for grief, it will not simply disappear. Grief is stubborn. It will make itself heard or we will die trying to silence it. If we don't face it directly, it comes out sideways in ways that aren't always recognizable as grief. Explosive anger. Uncontrollable anxiety. Compulsive shallowness. Brooding bitterness. Unchecked addiction. Grief is a ghost that can't be put to rest until its purpose is fulfilled. Have you ever heard the phrase hurt people hurt people? Blessed are those who pay attention to their grief. When they pay attention to it, they will be comforted. It reminds me of some words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. But not if we're numb. And then we come to this strange word. And it's a word that none of us really use, right? Um, Meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So my challenge to you this week is to use that word in a sentence and just um, watch the person's reaction. (laughs) You used the word meek. I don't think I know what that means. Well, I'm going to tell you what it means. It basically means unimportant. Blessed are the unimportant. Blessed are the unimportant? That doesn't make any sense. I feel like that flies in the face of everything that we've been taught. It's the important ones. It's the ones who have a voice or a say in how things go down. The ones who have some amount of clout or maybe they come from a well-to-do family. Certainly God is near them. Certainly they are blessed because people pay attention to what they say. How many of you um, have gone up to uh, Ormond Beach to the Casements? Have you been up there? So I, I met a friend up there this week, and we took a walk, and we walked over to the Casements. And, um, and I, I did a little research because it's the, I think it's the winter home of the richest man in history, John D. Rockefeller. And I was curious. I like to, um, to Google things. And so I was curious about this man, John D. Rockefeller, that I'd heard of but didn't really know much about. And I was curious to know if he had any, any like, kids or grandkids or great-grandkids still around, like, doing stuff. And lo and behold, he does. There are Rockefellers spread throughout this uh, country of ours. And the ones that... Now, on Wikipedia, you know, you can just, like, click on a, on a name, and, and it'll tell you all about them. And so I was clicking on some of his uh, great-grandchildren's names, and they all have positions of influence. They're all um, decision-makers in some way or another. And so I think, wow, they're important. They... God must be really near them. People listen to what they have to say. And maybe so. I'm not saying that God isn't near them. But what Jesus is saying here in this passage is that 
those who are unimportant in the eyes of the world, 